0: Well, hey, Shauna, happy March.
1: <laughs> happy March. I cannot believe it. We're in March already.
0: I know it's just unreal. And I'm trying not to think about the speed at which 2021 is going. But I hear today is a very important day for your family.
1: Woohoo. That's right. Happy birthday to my oldest son, Trey, who is Tim. We Woo-hoo! are in the double digits. Can you believe it? We're in the double digits. That's amazing. I know, right? <laughs> he just got here. He just got here. But, um, you know, what I think is so cool, though, he has lots of special things that happen during March, you know, a birthday. uh, We normally do like a St. Patrick's Day run. We go down into D.C. and do a 5K. He loves doing 5Ks. And I also, too, try to make sure I weave in a little bit of Women's History Month. You know, it's just a lot of different angles that we can uh, use in March. But, yeah, we have a lot going on during the month of March, and I'm trying to figure out how to force myself to rest from all the causes and things to think about in this month.
0: Mm, so you're talking about self-care, right? <laughs>
1: oh gosh, I guess I get well, you know, when you spend most of your life caring about other things it's like ah oh, don't forget to put yourself on the list as well. So Yes, Yes. self-care.
0: Indeed. Well, I agree with you. I struggle with that too. And I do not have easy or in fact, maybe any answers, but I think it's worthy (laughs) of a discussion. So let's dive into it after the break.
1: I'm Dr. Shauna Payne-Gold, and I go by she, her, her pronouns. And I'm Dr. Lisa Ingerfield, and I go by she, her, hers. Welcome to Unfazed, a podcast to disrupt your normal and challenge your brain to go the distance. So Lisa, you know, we have no answers, right? This is the the anti-podcast here. We have no good answers for our own questions, but I think we need to wrestle with it a little bit that... You know, I read all the time about people that do di work, whether it's personally, professionally, and they get burned out so quickly. And, yep. you know, even some of, you know, the big name social justice activists in the history of this country, they've had health problems. They've died at very young ages for various reasons, or they weren't in health, in good health. Uh, you know, it just makes me wonder, how are we missing the mark on this so that we can take care of ourselves better so that we can still stay in the fight longer. That's Mm -hmm. what I'd love to see
0: yeah and um it's interesting right because a lot of people use sport as their access point to self-care peace joy healing like being with nature you know there's a lot of motivations for it but it is for a lot of people that opportunity to have some time for themselves and so when we see social justice um as it should you know come up in endurance sports and people are talking a lot more now about diversity equity and inclusion um it makes the space slightly different for folks who are doing this in their personal and professional lives.
1: Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. And you know, it makes it different. And I, I kind of feel like it's this triple weight. Um, you know, I think about my son, of course, both of my sons, Trey and Kendrick, and you know, there's a specific weight that you carry raising two black men in the United States as a parent. Wow. Um, there's a specific weight because I do DEI work professionally every day, all day. There's a specific weight where it's, it's kind of like a the blessing and the curse of the superpower that you have. Like I, I'm. I want to hear if you feel the same way. It's almost like you can't look anywhere without seeing diversity, inclusion, equity, inequity, power, you know, you just, you can't escape it almost. And it's a good thing because if you can see it, you can address it, but yet it's a hard switch to turn off. And Mm -hmm. I'm just trying so hard to figure out what does the switch turning off look like, sound like, feel like it's pretty tough, um, without walking around with some type of guilt because we, we live it. We love it. We love what we do.
0: Yeah. And it reminds me of the episode we did ages ago, ignorance is bliss, right? Like when you're Uh. unaware of these things, you can roll through the world in kind of this blissful, like joyous, Mm -hmm. you know, everything's peachy. And then as soon as you start to scratch at the surface and see the rot, it's then impossible to go anywhere without seeing it. Um, you know and I I mean? It's part of why I watch superhero movies. (laughs) is yes. to get is to get away from it but i i have to work hard because there's some shit in superhero <laughs> movies that I could analyze. So I am I'm even like working to be like, shut it off, shut it off, shut it off. <laughs>
1: wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Lisa is known for completely obliterating any form of Disney anything for her students. So we we need to get real clear on that. It is hard for yes. Lisa to shut it down. She <laughs> she has she has acknowledged how difficult it is to shut her superpower down for sure.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh I don't, I don't yeah sorry go ahead no it,
1: it's hard right because so okay so i guess my follow-up to that is what does self-care look like for us you know so when i look at folks that are in the dei profession and how they burn out you know within the first three to five years of the work lisa i don't know how many years you've been in the work but it'll be 25 or so years for me come may or june And I'm grateful to still be here, but it's also a, it's an outlier to be in the work for this long. And so, and I can't say that I've got self-care mastered, but I'm still here for some reason. So obviously I care about it deeply. So, you know, I'm thinking about other folks who deeply care, but they may not have the bandwidth, right? How do you keep up with that self-care over time? I don't have any good answers for it.
0: Yeah, I think it's complicated because um, for white people in particular, the self-care I think can manifest over time as a disengagement from the issue, right? Because ah. it's it's not something that white people have to deal with, like you could go about your day, right. And you're not Mm -hmm. experiencing microaggressions or overt acts of racism. Um, White men are not experiencing microaggressions or overt acts of sexism. Right. Right. And so it's easy. I think it's much easier to, um, kind of let yourself off the hook, the less marginalization you experience in our social, in our society, you know? And so
1: Mm -hmm. I've thought
0: about this a lot as a white person, um, because sometimes I'm really tired. Right. And I keep telling myself that, you know, my positionality creates some easiness for me. And so I need to continue holding that at the forefront. And so I have some guilt. I do have some guilt around that. And Mm -hmm. that's a constant struggle. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm, I'm glad that I'm struggling with it, that I'm not oblivious to it, but so in response to your question about the, how, like, Mm-hmm. I, I do think that looks different for you than it does for me, than it does for a disabled person, that it does mm-hmm. for a trans person, you know, like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's important for us to acknowledge too.
1: Oh, so maybe we need to kind of think through this concept. So Lisa, we've read and acknowledged how, for example, when it comes to race, um, people get to pass, right? So I'm thinking about my wonderful maternal grandmother. She's as fair-skinned as you are, Lisa. So she could actually pass as a white woman in certain spaces, right? Well, I'm thinking about this from a self-care perspective that if you have more more or less privilege may determine the degree to which you can access self-care. Right, because like I'm thinking about what you just mentioned before. So, for mm-hmm. example, if I'm a person who is in a who, who's in a wheelchair, um, whether it's permanently or even for a short period of time, I can't not think about how I'm going to access a building or access a store or 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 access a, a restroom. It's not something that I can just overlook or not consider. Right. right. Whereas, as a white person you don't have to think about racism. You don't have to necessarily think about microaggressions. You don't have to think about X, Y, Z. And so there's a mm-hmm. degree, and I'm I'm not trying to play oppression Olympics here, but I do think you bring up a good point of the prism through which we see self-care is tinted based on which identities you're looking through and, and yeah. how do we get there? And so I, I think you're right. So as we you know, construct our own self-care plans, it has to be through this unique prism that's unique to individuals.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree, because the capacity with which you can switch it off is really determined, I think, mm. based on how the world interacts with you, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yep. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I can certainly turn off talking about racism or being anti-racist, right, which is part of what Kendi talks about, is that you're either racist or anti-racist, like not Mm -hmm. racist isn't a thing. So like when I'm not actively thinking about that and doing stuff, then that puts me in that place of complacency. But Mm -hmm. that is Mm -hmm. that, that's easier, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so for able-bodied people, right? We don't have to think about how we're going to access a restaurant, right? We don't have to Mm -hmm. think about if that Zoom call we're going on has um, closed captioning, right? Subtitles. Mm So it's just not something, so we just, So our need for self-care only kind of infiltrates that life, I guess, at the places of most pain, Mm -hmm. perhaps. Mm
1: -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and then, so uh, as it infiltrates the places of most pain, I think that's where maybe we need to think through kind of the system of how do you construct a individualized self-care plan that allows you to... I keep thinking about these switches turning on and off these switches in my brain where yeah. there's some things that are easier to turn on and off than others. So I will never turn off the switch that I'm raising two black men and I need to be aware of where they are, how they conduct themselves, how they move in the world. I'm just not turning that switch off, but I do like turning the switch off where, you know, someone sends me an email and says, Hey, Shauna, make sure you watch this movie on Netflix. And it's about, mm-hmm. um, marginalizing women, or it's specifically about slavery, or it's specifically about a plantation, I can turn that off because I have choice. I can go and watch a comedian on Netflix and be cool with it or watch Queen's Gambit and roll with it without having to um, think through that lens of my identity, because I think through it all day long, personally and professionally. And so, you know, building that plan of how do we protect ourselves? I think self-care is a little bit about protection. Yeah. I don't know where we want to go with that protection word, but we have to build it out um, individually. Mm -hmm. Um, And and there's some layers to it that I'm trying to figure out. Some have more layers than others, but
2: they're layers. Yeah,
0: And I think um, the TV thing is a really good point because, um, you know, like my day job is working a lot around um, violence against women. And so then I started watching The Handmaid's Tale and I actually, (laughs) I only got, Four, maybe five episodes into it, and I can't watch it. I can't mm-hmm. watch it because it's too much. It's too, I teach that stuff, like I consult on that stuff. Like I just don't want to watch it in the evening, even though I've seen the movie and read the book years ago when I didn't have the same critical lens that I have now. So I think I would get more from it now, but I'm just like, no, nope, buckets full, overflowing, can't do oh, it. Oh,
1: yes. Oh, yeah. Well, one of my favorite, it's so funny that you mentioned this in retrospect. So this might be in connection to self-care. Some of the things that used to be part of our self-care tools, and when we didn't even have the language self-care, some of those tools no longer work anymore because of our own personal arc of development, in my opinion. So like, like for example, one of my favorite childhood movies that I now know probably is one of the most racist, sexist-ist movies that I've ever witnessed is The Toy with Jackie Gleason and Richard Pryor. Now we know Richard Pryor was a very raunchy Mm -hmm. comedian, et cetera, Mm -hmm. but basically it was how Richard Pryor was this black journalist that just couldn't seem to break the ceiling into uh, writing frequently for this white owned newspaper and Jackie Gleason owned the paper. Well, instead of becoming a journalist and a writer, he ended up literally being a human toy for Jackie Gleason's young white son. Jackie Gleason was not a great father he was running around the world doing work you know mm-hmm. et cetera, for his and, and so it, it's so interesting to me now that I've gone back to see that movie not through a childhood lens I'm like oh my god this is the most racist I mean even yeah. the n-word was used in the movie all, all kinds of stuff is going on in the movie that was meant to be comedic and was funny in many ways and so now it's like shoot, what I used to use for rest and fun and ha 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 is no longer rest and fun and ha 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 because mm-hmm. I have new mm-hmm. awareness that I didn't have when I loved that on movie. And so ha- how do we constantly reconstruct our right. self-care plan uh, based on all of us that are going, mm-hmm. you know, on this arc of awareness and knowledge and, you know, as we know better, we do better, but that means what allows us to rest will be different in years to come.
0: Yeah. That's such a great point. Like as your evolution as a human, right. And understanding these things, then your, your self care does change. And I think about that in the context of individuals who are just learning about this stuff for the first time, like it probably feels like drinking from a fire hose. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, if you have a lot of privileged identities and you're learning about this stuff, and maybe there's a lot of guilt coming up for you, it's pretty darn easy to disengage right? Because you just quote unquote, can't take it anymore. Um, and so how do we, you know, as a community an endurance sport community support people who are kind of in those early stages while also supporting people who have been doing it for a long time, because those early stage people eventually need to take the torch from the Mm. been in it a long time people.
1: Oh yes. Oh yeah. You're, you're reminding me of, um, my, my tri-club at one point where there's there's leaders in my tri-club that have been doing social justice, diversity and inclusion work professionally for years. And there were some topics that were coming up in the tri-club and not, no bad topics. They were just topics of discussion because people truly wanted to learn more. And there were some folks that, you know, were starting to wake up. We've talked about wokeness on, on the podcast before. There are folks that were starting to wake up and had, you know, a few years in DEI work. And they basically asked, you know, what have you all been doing in regards to diversity, equity, and inclusion work? Because it feels like all of this is a knee-jerk response to George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, all the tragedies that have happened in 2020. And I'm thinking, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Hold up. We've got people in the tri club that have been, you know, on yeah. the front lines of DEI work for years. I've been in the work for 25 years. I have a couple friends that have been on the front lines with environmental justice, you know, folks that have been inclusive when it comes to the military, you know, whatever angle you want to choose and in various contexts they've been on the front lines for decades. And so it felt very Christopher Columbus-ish where it's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa. I know this mm-hmm. is new to you, this is not new to many other people." And so please, it's we want you to be on board. And I, I wanted to parse my words very well. So as not to deter that person from doing their good work because they were doing good work, but let's not look at tenure here. Let's, let's not look at number of years um, because frankly I should have quit five times over by this point, Mm -hmm. based on the research of, you know, three to five years, we both should have quit at least four to five times over um, but we're still here. And so Endurance sport is my place of rest. I would love it if you picked up the torch, um, and yeah. so th- that might be part of the self care plan. Then Lisa, as far as you know, transitioning things off of our plates, um, and not to say that we won't speak up, but just you know, when everyone looks at you as the first person to speak up, or you know, let me consult with this person in the tri club because we know they do this work professionally, and they'll. Uh, wh- why are we? We are the first. Uh, to be consulted many times, how do we transition that off so that we can get a little more rest, but still stay in the fight? Um, I think that's a legit question for tri-clubs and and groups. Yeah.
0: And also like, it's like spreading the load, isn't it? So, um, you know, for the longest time, you know, communities of color, the disabled community, women have been kind of the folks with the loudest voices in particular areas of social justice. Um, Mm -hmm. And over time, that those voices have gotten louder and they've gotten more diverse. Right. Mm. Um, But we're still not really at a place where I would say there's like widespread spread recognition in the endurance sport community and beyond that, um, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're all, it affects all of us and we all, sh- we all have a vested interest in shifting the culture, right? Yeah, um, yeah. It's that community perspective versus that individual perspective that we've talked about before in relation to COVID, right? I don't feel like, um, particularly for folks with privilege, that they feel implicated in um, the need for social justice work. So then you just have this small number of people that are constantly asked for information, for advice, for, Mm -hmm. uh, activities, you know, X, Y, and Z, and that Mm -hmm. load isn't spread. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, in in many, that's where I think we need, that's part of the self-care to your point, right? Mm -hmm. Is how do we offload some of that stuff Mm -hmm. to folks, Mm -hmm. um, who have maybe historically not been involved. So then each of our plates is less heavy.
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, that, you know, we, we want to keep, I, I think the whole goal, the goal of self-care, going back to your point around, you know, feeling a little tinge of guilt around the work. I think what's important is that we don't want to guilt people into doing the work or not doing the work either. The, the goal of self-care is to keep as many people as possible in the work. So for those that have been doing it forever and they're tired, give them a break. For those that haven't been doing it for a very long time, pass the baton And all of us can still run, but, but we don't need it. It feels like (laughs) it, it feels like those of us that are from the oppressed groups have been running the ultra marathon for our entire lives. Right. And it's like, okay, you got somebody that just ran a 5k shows up and says, Hey, what can I do to help? Please take the baton. I've been running and running and running, go for it. Um, Mm -hmm. and empowering them to do so that I can take a rest and then I can run, I can begin to run again. But the, it, the goal of the self-care is not to offload people permanently. It's to keep people in permanently. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think that's where we need to think about that loading or, or reloading, spreading Mm -hmm. the load. It's yeah.
0: It's kind of like a ultra marathon relay. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. There but it, there, there's no finish line necessarily. Well, the finish line is an aspirational place, right? That's right. That's um, right. That's where that's right. we've we've fixed everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. otherwise that, you know, we each go a distance past the baton. We rest, that other person continues on. And that's just happening in communities all over the world, right? Yeah. Um, but right yeah. now, or at least I think things are changing a little bit after last year but there's Mm -hmm. just there's a there's far less people who are willing to take the baton than the people who don't want anything to do with the relay right oh
1: yes oh yes absolutely well you know this this goes back to I, i love your point about the aspirational piece because the first thing it made me think of is dr king's textbook definition of the beloved community you know, where he talks about this global vision where everyone can share the wealth of the earth, whether it's money, whether it's resources, whether it's power, everyone is sharing and no one is excluded from that vision. You know, when you're looking at poverty or homelessness, all all, racism, any form of of discrimination, that's what Dr. King was talking about. And so it is aspirational and we can't get there without people being able to rest at some point. I mean, even when you think about... um, you know, some of the the bus boycotts and so forth, some of that was coordinated in, in a way where there were some communities that walked and some that didn't, or, you know, let's say there was a rotation where some people walked those miles to work and then others, if they had a family car, they would relieve some of those folks from having to walk that week because they would... Uh, pick up folks in that residence and take them to their job so that they could rotate the weeks of walking, for example, right, because right. the bus boycotts went on longer than y'all think y'all think it went on for a couple of weeks, it was a long time. And so, you know, given that I, I think there's a, a good point there where how do we rotate to uh, rotate the baton past the baton so everyone can equally do work, good work and equally get the rest they need to stay in the good work.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you just made me think of like something else. Um, yeah. and this is, I think perhaps uniquely, um, relevant for white people and, or men that this, mm. um, not wanting to give up the baton because of a kind of savior thing happening. Oh, you know? minute. say more about that. Let me think that through. So like, oh. um, I'm all, I'm a, I'm a social justice warrior, right? I'm woke, I'm an ally, I'm all these things, right? And mm-hmm. I need I need people to see that about me, because right? Because perception um, is really important. So yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna keep going and going and going and going and going until I literally <laughs> like, you know, get deeper and deeper and deeper into the ground um, mm-hmm. because yeah. it's about image, right? And, and I suppose that also comes back to guilt, right? Like Mm. it can, when you're so guilty, it can drive you to burn out on Oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, and you know, this goes back to much of what we've talked about before, as far as being performative though, because what exactly are The what's the impetus behind individuals doing what they do? Are they doing it for the value of the work? Are they doing it for the value of the work and to be seen and to have this uh, unspoken title behind their name that this person is an ally? And, you know, what are you doing it for? Like that, I think that's what kind of frustrates me. I know this is a little bit of a tangent, but that does frustrate me a little bit about the nature of language when it comes to allyship. Because I think, in my opinion, Allyship, the goal of allyship really should be that never no one ever calls you an ally because you're too busy doing the work to be seen, to be uh, to have this persona, to have this brand. You're just doing the damn work. And you know, and we've known people in the past, like, yes, we talk about the Dr. Kings and so forth, but what about the hundreds of people who may go nameless for the rest of their lives, white, black, brown, that we may never have a story to go with. They weren't doing it to be seen. And I'm not saying Dr. King was there to be seen either. He just happened to be the face of the movement. But what about these movements that are happening now? I think that may be be a challenge to self-care that too many people want to be the face or a face of the work. That they end up being performative. Right, right. And so what about the other people that get exhausted because they, you know, not to say that they need a reward, but they they don't even get a thank you. Right. Um, and and what does that mean for the cycle or mm-hmm. lack of self-care?
0: Um, yeah. Yeah. And then that's just exacerbated by our culture of social media, right? And constantly posting on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all the other platforms that I have no idea exist because I'm like getting, I'm getting out of date. I'm getting out of date with things, <laughs> you know, and this like yeah, oh. con- constantly trying to put that image out. I mean, it's, mm. it's almost like this, um, like they're in juxtaposition to each other. You have like this, I'm so in it, I'm posting everything and I'm doing everything. And then you have kind of the people that are like oblivious to it. Right. Oh yeah. Oh, and yeah. like they they counterbalance each other. Um, And neither is healthy, right? Because one is, you know, you're contributing to problems and the other is you're not going to last very long. (laughs) Not
1: at all. Not at all. Exactly. Exactly. You're not going to last very long. And, you know, that's what, that's what I think is, is interesting though, because you see people that are the face of a certain group or certain movement, et cetera. And then they fizzle out in a few years and then someone else becomes the face and then they fizzle out in a few years. And so, you know, i my hope for us and for listeners is not to fizzle out because that's the goal. The goal is to keep everybody in the fight um, where they can mm-hmm. run their pace. You know, they can run their pace and not feel as if they're just dying because other people aren't doing anything. They're just observing right. Um, right. and and watching us kind of kill ourselves trying to get this work done. Um, and I mean that, you know, as an analogy, it, we're, we're working ourselves to the bone you know Mm -hmm. um and thinking through that um how can we be a relief um without seeking any outside validation for it right right you know that that's tough to do
0: (laughs) so i kind of bring bringing it back full circle then you know i think it would be helpful for you and i to maybe talk about what we do for self-care which my list is not very long, right. um, so I'm probably contributing to the problem. Um, but the running, right. the biking, the swimming, the hiking, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, those things that athletes are doing. Um, right. right. And then when these issues start to seep in as they should to the right. endurance sport community and you find your place of um, peace peace is disrupted by these conversations that you're Mm. engaging in from nine to five, right. Or with your kids, right. Or family, like, what do you do then? Well, one thing
1: that I've, I've done not consciously, but now that we're talking about it, I think I may need to do more of is frankly, there are certain times where uh, there's kind of like three tiers, even to my uh, training or, you know, any workouts. There are some that are alone, you know, I I want to be alone. I want to be alone with my own thoughts. You know, I may do that run on my own or I may, you know, go for that swim and, you know, not meet a training partner or not meet the tri club or what have you. I just want to do it on my own. So that's one level. Another level is, okay, I'll go with the tri club. Nobody knows who's showing up. We're just all going to have a good time. Who cares? It may be a group of very mixed identity folks, et cetera. I may or may not have a level of comfort with them because I don't know them yet new people, that's fine. That's more risky when it comes to self-care. And then I might find this happy medium Mm -hmm. where I only want to go with my girlfriends on that bike ride. I only want to um, go with my training partner to do that run or, and and with that, I think that's very intentional um, or it should be intentional. There's sometimes where, Hey, I've had a rough week. I don't even want to do the damn bike ride. So I'm just going to pick my closest girlfriend that will let me Wine, cry and mope while we in this bike in, but I'm going to get it in because what I'm mm-hmm. feeling right now, I'm not going to be willing to process in front of a tri club with groups, with groups of people I've never met or have only met in social media land. So I, I think we should be conscious about, you know, the context of our workouts, just because your tri club is having a group run. That doesn't mean you have to run with them. If you don't feel as if that's an emotionally right. safe time or right. space for you. So there are other options, and just kind of thinking through those options. So that's just one
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: solution that I can think of that I I want to do and continue practicing more intentionally.
0: Yeah, and I think for members of um your tri club, your cycling club, some broader awareness there that you know, if you only have two or three folks of color, or two or three women, or you know one person who identifies as disabled, like having kind of like the understanding that those people probably get tapped with questions all the fucking time, right? So maybe, maybe you just don't ask them, right? So there's also kind of this, like you're, you're, you're thinking about how do I want to engage in my club and these activities, but I think there's responsibility on the club side, on the kind of the general group side about- you know, how can we acknowledge that this person might be tired and is that's just right. here to run? Right. That's
1: right. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, I think that's so powerful that you even bring that up. And so I, I think that would be a great um, <laughs> thought pattern for us to have when it comes to self care, the individual athlete trying to modulate for themselves, but also groups and other uh, more privileged folks making it clear that no. Shauna does not want to talk about Black Lives Matter when she's on her bike ride because she got paid to talk about it all week. Don't want to talk about it. Um, not that you lack caring or any of that, but you just mm-hmm. don't want to talk about it right mm-hmm. then. Um, and so I, I do think it's the the individual and the context that kind of weaves into. So you're bringing up a great point on that. That's yeah. true. And I slept, yeah.
0: slid in an F-bomb there, which was, you know, <laughs> felt natural. <laughs> they, they are
1: um, always natural in these podcasts, Lisa. I don't even know why you try to filter yourself. They all, and it's Women's History Month. I think that just gives us even more license to like practice throwing at least one into every podcast this month. Yes. Yes. yes.
0: There's actually, this is a total, a tangent, but there's on Netflix now there's a show called The History of Swear Words and yes. they do like 20, 25 minute history and they, do one on fuck and they also do one on bitch um uh, which is very gendered right and so they talk about the history of how that evolved and how it's been used in a derogatory way to women so if you Mm. haven't watched that folks it's a good one to watch in women's history month
1: oh that is good women's history month homework for sure i love that i love that so i think we have two two points that are our homework between now and the next pod Is to really think hard, long and hard about a self care plan for those of us that are Mm -hmm. deep into this work.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And then the other thing is to watch Netflix
0: (laughs) and the history of
1: Yes. Oh my goodness! Yes, Yes. get get your snacks out and and laugh away.
0: The one on fuck was amazing because they were like, you could put that word literally with anything. And it's it just, it, it's a cathartic word, right? So for people mm. who are looking for self-care, sometimes it can just be very useful to there be alone go. and to say that over and over again.
1: There you go. There, well, and yes. And in addition to your self-care, let, let's uh, let them in on some of the comedy of the behind the scenes of this podcast, Lisa. So the recording when we realized that, of course, we are trying to be an inclusive podcast, of course. And so we have closed captioning for these podcasts so that we can have a transcript for those that may not be able to listen for whatever reasons. When we realized that nothing but asterisks show up when you say certain curse Mm -hmm. words, that was like the best blooper ever. So yeah, if you just happen to be on Zoom or whatever, you know, uh, Blue Jeans also does it. It's a couple other uh, platforms that does it. But just practice a curse word during Women's History Month. Practice it just to see what your closed captioning does. That it, it's. I see it both as cathartic self care and inclusion yes.
0: at the yes. same time. Yes, there you at go.
1: At the same time. So, yes, yeah, So try it out, y'all. I'm sure you'll get a, a good laugh off of that. So anyhow, this has been good, Lisa. I think we, of course, have more questions than right, answers. Right. We, we've got some work to do here before we run ourselves into the ground, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: <laughs> hey, feisty folks. Jamila here, the Feisty Team Community Innovator. In June of 2020, we launched the Feisty Team to help you all stay feisty no matter what the year threw your way. Over the last six months, we've come together as a team to try and make the world a feistier place and connect with other like-minded friends in triathlon and endurance sports. We meet every month and bring in experts that can help us on the path to building feistiness in ourselves and others and create meaningful change in our sport and community. The monthly subscription is only $22, and you'll get monthly feisty huddles and webinars with expert guests, big sponsor discounts, swag, and monthly prizes, challenges to stay motivated, a community of feisty, like-minded friends. Plus, we are adding new initiatives all the time, like our new book club and virtual workouts. Go to feistyteam.com to join us and become a part of the feistiest team in endurance sports so we can crush 2021 together. That is feistyteam.com.
0: Unfazed, a podcast produced by Live Feisty Media and supported by the Outspoken Women in Triathlon Summit.
1: Edited and produced by the fabulous Lindsay Glassford.
0: Email us at info at unfazedpodcast.com and find us on social at try to defy at Dr. Gold Speaks or at Outspoken Women in Try. I'm Lisa.
1: I'm Shauna. Thanks for listening. Stay unfazed, folks. See you next time.